For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. No BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez, right here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. The voice of choice, Bruce Word, back uh, once again with the raging bull and uh, just a little under the weather this week. Manny, my my kids caught a little uh, upper respiratory infection. I picked it up off of them. I'm vaccinated. It's not COVID. We we all did get tested just to make sure, but uh, not fun nonetheless. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. Especially when you're down at the beach. No fun when you <laughs> you're down at the beach and you get sick. You have to be uh, assigned to your quarters or confined to your quarters. Yeah, it was the crazy thing is, is that, you know, we were away visiting um, my parents and first the gas crisis happened uh, in the Carolinas, especially and nothing to be found there. And then we're getting ready to leave gas lightens up and then my kids get sick. So what a terrible week. My wife's car actually broke down today as well. It's it's not broken down, but the service lights on just uh not a great week for me. How, how about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I had a good week. I'm just, you know, listening to the grapevine about never since we started the podcast of the, the grapevine around wrestling, just how wrestling's going, what's going on in this area, what groups are coming in, you know, until, until God States Wrestling Alliance opens up and that won't be till November, December, till everybody's kind of fully vaccinated, sure. you know, at least, you know, herd immunity or whatever. We want to make sure that all the fans are are, are all going to be safe to go to and enjoy a match, wrestling match, not a clown show. And that's basically what you have around here. I look at the posters that people post on Facebook, and I, I can't help but laugh. Can't help but laugh. I mean, some of these guys don't belong in a in a wrestling mat at high school, much less in a professional wrestling ring. You know. Well- and we exactly. talked about yeah. last week, you know, a guy lit his crotch on fire and got uh, trimmed with a weed whacker in front of like 65 people. So <laughs> that's yeah. what's going on. <laughs> that's that was I saw that video and somebody sent me that video. And I just like I told you before, I, I fell on the ground. I couldn't stop laughing. I've never seen something that stupid in my life. For what? Ten dollars in a hot dog and a, and a shake of a hand. That's unreal. I you mean, know, it's unreal. When when you came up, the, so these guys, it's all about now creating videos of yourself and people are, 
they're going to wrestling schools, but then they're, they're touring the independents and trying to get a bunch of video of themselves doing crazy things to send to the big promotions to say, hire me because I did this. That wasn't the way it worked back in your day. And we've talked about how the training process was, how people would take you under your wing, but really in order to get booked and pay your dues, you had to do things like set up the ring and, and really the, the, the stuff that's not, uh, let's say exotic, right? Right. Right. It's, you know, uh, these guys don't even have the respect for the business that they would go somewhere and try to learn how to wrestle Try to do the things that you're supposed to do. Wrestle. Impress somebody by wrestling. Know some wrestling. Have some bad wrestling background instead of this stupidity that they're doing nowadays. You know, it's like when I started this business, when I finally gave into the business, I wanted to know about the business. I wanted to know why it was so popular around people. So I went back and I looked into that. I learned about Ed Stranger Lewis, Luke Dez, Carl Gotch. The, the, uh, the Bob Geigos, the Pat O'Connors, the, all these guys that were good in the business and would draw money, put asses in the seats, as they would say, and, and carry a card where everybody made a decent living, a good living. They all were wrestlers. They all had wrestling backgrounds. They all came from somewhere. They're all second generation. You know, Dickie Murdoch, his dad, Frankie Hill Murdoch, he made him pay his dues. He didn't give Dickie nothing. He made Dickie earn it. Dickie earned it the same way I did. He learned to respect the business, learn how to start by setting up a ring, refereeing matches, and learn from the other old-timers that carried you when you did get in the ring. You appreciated those old-timers. I don't remember the times that I went 15, 20 minutes broadways with Alex Perez and Larry, and they carried you, and they taught you, and they talked to you, and they made you look like a million dollars. Now it's Oh, let me light myself on fire and see what everybody thinks this is so cool because I lit myself on fire and then you're running around burning up and don't know what to do because you're freaking out. Nobody can put you out because you're freaking out running, running and the flames are getting worse instead of staying put and then somebody put you out because you're so stupid. I mean, it it gets to the point where where's it going to stop with just stupidity? And the bad thing about it, Bruce, is half of these guys are backyarders. They're just backyard do do this stuff in the backyard and then go tell a promoter they're wrestlers. They're nothing but backyarders. And that's what's hurting the business. These kind of clowns. Yeah. And and Manny, the psychology of putting together a card, I've I've heard this from like Bruce Pritchard and and some of the guys that booked, you know, going all the way back into the 80s. The psychology of putting together a card is you have to have high spots, low spots, the crowd has to come down before you go back up. And when you do all these things and you hot shot a card and you're lighting yourself on fire in, in the third match, that that's really hard to follow up from that. Right. And what do you do next week? And it, 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 am I wrong in, in that that is why the business is really struggling to top itself and really struggling to, to yeah. draw money the way that it used to? Yeah, because, you know, back in the day, the guys that would open up the cards, you set a card, and I book global, you set a card and you start it with good matches, matches that get the people involved. You know, a good 20-minute Broadway where the guys are going back and forth, false finish, false finish, and then get a false finish right as one, two, and the bell rings. Oh, and the people get excited. They sit there. I am so grateful, 
so grateful for people like Denny Brown, Mike Davis, Hector Guerrero, all those underneath guys that Terry Funk writes about in his book, that he praises in his book, because without those underneath guys, they set the table for the main event. I mean, they make the main event because they don't take from it. They don't go do all this stupid stuff. It's like back in the day, if you did something ignorant, like take a bump out of the ring, if you were in the Florida Territory and working for Eddie Graham, and you were in the first or second match, and you took a bump out of the ring and went out of the ring, you got fired. They told you to pack your bags and leave that same night. You were fired. Because that stuff is meant for a reason. It is done for a reason. They have angles for a reason. The psychology of building a card is having everybody wrestle until it's the main event to do something out of the ordinary, something hot, they called it. Not everybody on the card. It was everybody's job to have a great match, but not to top the other matches and set the table for the main event. And these guys, I mean, they don't have no psychology at all. They have none. They didn't. Well, and people are all out trying to, everybody wants to have a great match on every spot in the card. And they don't realize crowd psychology. I'm just looking at one of the greatest cards of all time in terms of uh, fan reception and, and the peak of the business was WrestleMania three. And you look at how they structured the card. The opening match is the Can-Am connection against Bob Orton and Morocco, a tag team match. They follow that up with the feud between Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes kind of going through it. You get your semi main event at match nine with steamboat savage. One of the greatest of all time. You go with um, a gimmick match in honky tonk and Jake Roberts, right? Keeps the crowd going. Yeah. Then you go with Sheik and Volkoff against the Killer Bees, which was kind of a vanilla match, and it brings the crowd back down. So you're ready for the main event, and you're ready for the excitement of Hogan and Andre, right? That's how it worked. You kind of work the peaks and valleys in the crowd. Am I right about that? Yeah, you got the people up, and some matches a lot of the crowd. It's like I told you before, I've had come Dustin tell me, hey, kid, the people are sitting on their hands. They're on their hands out there. Get them off their hands. Get them off their ass. And you set that tempo up a little. Speed up the tempo a little bit. Get it up just for their anticipation of what's coming next. That's the way you do it. And I mean, yeah, you had a vanilla match with Volkov against the Killer Bees, Volkov or whoever, Sheik against the Killer Bees. Of course, that wasn't going to be a great match, right? I could go do that off the back. But, you know, it's still a match to calm it down for the main event with Andre and Hulk. But you always want to keep a tempo that, you know, the top, the main event will pop the roof off of it if it's a good main event. But you always got to keep the tempo at that, that pace. So you don't want to have too many, too many vanilla matches. And then the people just sit on their hands and, and they're like bored. And you won't be getting them off their hands. But it, it takes psychology. to understand. It takes a really good booker. It's like I used to put the cards together global. And I always put my little hot guys in the beginning there. You know, Calvin Nat against... Uh, 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 Johnny Mantel, because Johnny Mantel can go 100 miles an hour and have a great match with a young kid, get him over good, you know, strong. Boom, boom, set the table right there, set the temple. And then you pick it up in a Booker T and a Black Barton and, and Mantel in a tag match, and myself and Manny Villalobos to, you know, pick it up. And then we'd have the main event with Rod Price, Jack Tatum against the tag uh, tag team, you know. But it was it was always something that we put in order so not to outdo each other, but to help each other build a card to get the people off their butts. That was the bottom line. You said global. You're talking about global 
Global Wrestling Federation, right? Joe Pettacino. Let me ask yeah. you that. Were you part of the beginning of Global Wrestling? No, I came in before uh, when Pettacino was gone and that those people bought it out. Some people that own a dinner, dinner theater, they own a dinner theater, but you go and have dinner and they have a, you know, a show. They bought it out. That's what we were in fighting for to keep Global Live because they wanted to do more theater and they did wrestling. And that's when we had butted heads. We butted heads. I said, man, this we're not theater. We're wrestling. Yeah. We're wrestling. Was Eddie and they wanted... still booking with you at the, at the time or was he gone? No. No, Eddie Gilbert wasn't even around. It was me and uh, Skandor Akbar. Skandor me and Skandor Akbar. Yeah. At, at one Gilbert. point, Global was supposed to be the third major promotion. <laughs> Pettacino apparently had money. He had the ESPN deal. And they were going to go try to go toe to toe with uh, WWF and uh, NWA. Yeah, that's that's the truth. But uh, you know, he was. We were on ESPN. It's true. But then he lost his backing, and then he he got bought out by those guys because he lost his backing and his funding. And those dinner theater guys wanted to buy him out. And they bought him out, and it was good for the time I was there until they decided to step in and start to use you know, uh, some of this theater stuff, dressing people up like women and, you know, doing all that uh, theater <laughs> that you would do on a theater stage you know, for a dinner show. But, you know, it, but I had a great crew there. I had an excellent crew. But that North Star Promotions, always, North Star Promotions, is that, that ring a bell? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's so long ago. But yeah, <laughs> you know, all I know is that when I got there, uh, you know, we we weeded out some guys, me and Scandor, and we gave a good crew with the, the the young Booker T and Stevie Ray. I mentored them while they were there, and Rod Price, Jack Tatum, and of course, Black Bart and Johnny Mantel. And then we brought in some guy named Kid named Calvin Nat, myself, and Manny Villalobos. We just did some things. It were different, you know, different angles. And Mike Davis was there, and we did the the bungee jump angle and the moon rocket. We did some crazy things because of these people, but in a sense, it got over because the people that were there understood to get the damn promotion over. They had to do some of this silly stuff. And that's what we worked with till I got fit up and went to Japan and <laughs> came back and he said, well, we have different ideas. I don't think you like us to go. That's true. Goodbye. See you later. All right. You know, and then book a I, I I'm gonna I gotta ask you this. Sorry to interrupt you, but the angle where you attack David Webb, the announcer, and he believes that he's Elvis Presley, is that your idea, <laughs> or was that was that one of those dinner people ideas? That was the dinner people. <laughs> that was the dinner. that's that's about the time I was like, oh man, this is getting too crazy. This is too crazy, and I signed a deal with Japan again. Uh, the new company, NOW, and I was going over there, and I was bringing my kids from Gobo over there, Booker T and Stevie Ray, and yeah. a bunch of young kids that I had there. I, I was getting them towards the Japan, so I, I just, after a while, it was just, I mean, the, the thing that me and Akbar had, that angle that I did with Manny Villalobos, being from uh, crossing the border, had to borrow a pair of wrestling boots to come wrestle, cross the border from Mexico every day, and hitched a ride to come over here and wrestle and be living in, on the streets. And, you know, just, you know, I had to send him tortillas and burritos. 
<laughs> we did some silly stuff and we got the people involved so good in this angle that they actually uh, um, uh, automobile sales lot or automobile company sales company <laughs> presented him with a car because <laughs> we were building up that he couldn't afford a car and had to drive they had to make enough money to take the bus so they presented him with a car and they didn't know that I was going to attack the car with a fire axe <laughs> And I attacked the car with a fire axe and destroyed the car. Oh, Lord. <laughs> they were pretty upset, but it was a heck of an angle. Uh, <laughs> Nobody even expected that. Nobody expected that. Another classic <laughs> was uh, the bungee match with Stephen Day yeah, and Chaz Taylor. And then Mike Davis went up to the moon after the match and, yeah, and br brought back a moon rock. That was your idea, wasn't it? Yep, that was. They wanted to get crazy, so I gave him a crazy idea. I said, because I knew Mike Davis could do it well. Perfect. He was a heck of a worker. Yeah, God bless him. We lost him early. But <laughs> it was so funny with the moon rock, you know. It was a great angle. And he went up in the – him and then Chaz went up to do the bungee fighting. I mean, it was great the way I set up the bungee gimmick. Because, <laughs> you know, I repelled. In the military, I repelled a lot. The helicopter yeah. show. Kind of set set up a deal where it looks like he was gonna fall without his bungee, but of course I had a second a backup, you know. <laughs> and it was pretty, it was pretty good. Global eventually yeah, folded into into Memphis, right? Folded into the USWA. I don't think so. No, no it was AWA because the US whatever it was called the Skull Bandit USWA or whatever. Yeah. That was AWA, and we were there. Uh, that's when Wahoo and Ray Stevens had the book at AWA with Vern, and then we combined with Memphis to become USWA. That's where I had the heat with uh, uh, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Okay. Lawler and his, yeah, yeah. Because uh, first time we went to Memphis, I went after him. Wahoo stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> In 1992, uh, Global Wrestling was sued by the World Wrestling Federation, WWE, because they felt the word, the use of the word global was too close to the word world. Were you around for that? No, no, I was not. No, I was not. It might have been before me or after me because I don't, I don't remember them suing them, but that's ridiculous. No. I mean, that's, that's Vince legal, you know. That's just ego, global, and world. That's two different things in my book. But, but you know, eventually they caved in, and they, you know, Sportatorium had been around for a long, long time. There was been some great matches and great talent with the Von Erickson there, and everything. it was a great. It was sad to see him tear it down because there were some great memories, some great his, history in that building. Great history, you know. Yeah. The Sportatorium in <laughs> Dallas. Um, you know, that was <clears throat> famous for world-class championship wrestling for so many years. A lot of great matches took place there. But wasn't it a pretty rundown place? I, I've heard some other people talk about it. As much as it's like one of these uh, arenas that you think about <clears throat> in your dreams, it's the MSG of Texas. But <clears throat> wasn't it yeah. infested with rats and a pretty awful place no. to have to set up shop? No, not when I was there. Now, when I was there, we had a great dressing room, great, great setup, great arena. All the seating was wonderful. Oh, heck no. Not when I was there. I mean, that's why I uh, held my, some of my training sessions at Booker T and 
and Stevie Ray and uh, or Rod Price and JBL and, uh, you know, some of the young guys, Calvin Nash, that's where I would train the people. They're inside the global arena. And, and, and you know, it, <laughs> getting, no, it was a great arena. But I'll tell you something that was even better. They always had beer on tap there. And one <laughs> night, it was me, Rod Price, Calvin Nat, and a couple, I forget, uh, Lance Romance. And we were all at Hooters, right? We are having a good time at Hooters. And we are having that. I don't know if you saw the video about where JBL tells a story where they call last call and they try to take my pictures of beer. And I told them they ain't going and they couldn't touch them. And the bouncer tried to touch them and I threw them through the window. I threw the bouncer through the window and they said, you have to give up that beer. So I poured him out on the floor. Oh, boy. <laughs> we took off, took a ride. And I told the guys, hey, the Sportatorium has beer on tap. They said, yeah, but it's locked. It's got an alarm. So I said, it's all right, we'll figure out something. So I talked to everyone into going to the sportatorium. And me and Rod Price played with the uh, Oakland Raiders. He was a linebacker with the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, I played with the Chiefs. So yeah. I told him, okay, I challenge you, we'll shoulder tackle the door and see if we can knock it off the hinges, you big, bad Raider. You're supposed to be a bad middle linebacker. I'm an offensive guard. And I have more push than you do. And he, I got him fired up. I got him so fired up, he decided to take off and hit that door. <laughs> he hit the daggone door, knocked it off the hinges, busted his head wide open. <laughs> wide open, man. Oh, man. So, I, so we get in the sportatorium, and we're sitting there drinking beer. <laughs> we get the cuffs out, we're drinking beer. And all of a sudden, all these police officers came because the alarm went off. We didn't know it had an alarm. The alarm went off. Where, well, I was patching up Rod Price's head with all the blood, putting patches, gauze on it. And stuff. I told him, hey, we just drove by. And these guys busted into the building. I just gave him this long story about these guys busting in a truck, a black truck. They hit my boy in the head and they took off. And the cops went running down the road after oh, a after, ghost truck. After nobody. <laughs> nobody. We stayed there and drank for four or five in the morning. Oh, boy. That's insane. That's insane. Let's let's take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about the first time that you got uh, to meet Booker T and Stevie Ray and how they ended up getting into the business and growing into what they were. This is no BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez, worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. Phil Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 61255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my. Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. 
Bruno was a hell of a champion. Yeah. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez, right here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. I'm Bruce Wirt, the voice of choice. Uh, stupid name. I, I made that name up, Manny, when I was doing afternoon radio in Philadelphia. And um, my first line when I had my first show was I'm your new voice of choice in the afternoon. And uh, it stuck. I, it was my own gimmick that I gave myself. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. The voice of choice. Yeah. Sounds good. So uh, anyway, then we, we, uh, we, now we just VOC nation was, it grew out of that whole um, drive time thing that I did. And uh, here we are uh, VOCNation.com. Check out all of our great content, Bill Apter, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, the Maestro Rob Kellum from WCW, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, of course Manny. There's a whole lot of pro wrestling insiders that take you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Visit vocnation.com. Manny, we're talking about global wrestling today. We we kind of fell into that, <clears throat> and you mentioned early time with Stevie Ray and Booker T give me of uh give me your story about how you met them for the first time and your thoughts and kind of how how that went from there you know when I first came to global when I first got the offer to come and help them book book take the book over with Akbar uh they had a good crew there they had some guys uh Mike Dane and, and them uh of course they had you know Booker T and Stevie Ray they were real young then it just come in, and there was Ivan Putsky and his kid, Scott Putsky. And uh, I know they had a couple ego issues with uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray. In fact, there was a confrontation one time where, with the Putskys and Booker T and Stevie Ray ended up beating the crap out of them. I know that much. So that, that, wow. that, impressed, me. that impressed me. I, yeah. I always get impressed with people that defend themselves, that could carry themselves. And they look like two good-looking kids. I mean, they were very respectful, very polite, willing to learn and willing to listen to me. And, and, you know, the thing about them is, you know, you could put them in the ring and they carried themselves so good. You knew they had charisma, natural charisma to get over. And I, I, I noticed that. So that's basically what I did is bring teams in to make these kids and bring them, especially when I put them with Black Bart and Johnny Mantel, because they brought the best out of them. They brought fire. They brought the charisma. They made them good wrestlers by putting them over and, and, and teaching them, teaching them. They took them under the wing. They had great matches, great angle with them. And they, these old timers, black boys, everybody knows how good Black Barty is. And Johnny Mantell, there's, there's another kid that's been around the business a long time. And I put him in there and they carried those kids. And they've done a great job. Like I said, they were very 
understanding, respectful, and, and would listen to what I told them how to get over. And I had no problems with them. They were willing to learn and come, and I'd mentor them. We'd have training sessions. And it just it just clicked with them. I just knew it. And, and somebody told me one thing, one of the dumbest things in the world one time when I brought in uh, one of the great guys in the business, uh, Iceman King Parsons. I'll always have much respect for Iceman King Parsons. I brought him in and a partner of him, and I, I said, we're going to do an angle. And said, you guys are going to run in with the long riders, which is uh, Black Bart and Johnny Mattel. The rough riders, I think it was the long riders. What is it? I said, well, you're doing that, and they're coming back. I'm going to have Iceman King Parsons and Action Jackson attack them. And you know, you guys all leave them laying there. You all four jump and leave leave out uh, Ebony Experience laying in the ring. And that was good. And then somebody came. Oh, I think it was Ivan Pupke. He said, you'll never be able to get black on black to get over. That'll never work in our business. But I just looked at him and said, well, yeah, well, let me show you. You know, that, that's what basically we got rid of Ivan Putsky and his boy, you know. But, you know, that was I, the, that shows ahead. you how far we've come in society that somebody would think like that. That's that's amazing to me that 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 was even a thought like it's a different kind of person and they can't they can't wrestle each other. Right. Right. I was, I was, yeah, awesome. Well, let me. Yeah, they, and they, you know, they did the angle with Action Jackson and Iceman King and Iceman King Parsons took care of these kids. They were young and still learning. They were still green behind the ears, but Iceman was fantastic with them. He carried him in there, and they got him over. And to this day, they're still, you know, they got over great. They got over great. I've had a great nothing, but like I said, when I go to WWE, I see Booker Team we sit down and talk, and he always tells me. I tell people, you're the reason I'm here. And I appreciate that. You know, Steve Ray has me on his podcast. He's got a podcast on there. And uh, when we start running, he's going to come do an appearance for us. But yeah, I stay in touch with the kids that, that that understood that I had no ego about Manny Fernandez getting over. My ego was about getting them over, getting the promotion over so we can all make money. That's the difference. You know, <laughs> it was never me, me, me. It was, how can I get these guys over? Especially when JBL finally came in, you know, when JBL, how to get Johnny Hawk. I called him Johnny Hawk yeah. and gave him that name, Johnny Hawk, and get him over with Bobby Duncan Jr. You know, and uh, it's just, it's so much different now. Everybody's about getting themselves over and not worrying about anybody. But, you know, it's different because everybody's under contract. Everybody's guaranteed their money. They don't have to earn it anymore. They're guaranteed their money. So, you know, it don't matter to them. Yeah. Back. So, so back when global was running and you were there, everybody was cut of the house. There was no downside guarantees. No, there was no guarantees. You got so much money, what you drew, you know, that's it. Or, you know, you got paid with these guys that own the promotion guaranteed you so much for booking and this and for wrestling. You know, that, that was the deal there. You know, contact. When when those cut of the house deals happened, and I guess everybody had their percentage depending on where they they were on the card. You can correct me on that, but was it? Did you have to just trust the promoter that they're giving you the right numbers, or did you have access to the numbers? 
No, you had to trust the promoters because 50% of the cut went to the promoters and you divided 50%. In the old days, you bring 50 cent, 50% for promotion, 50% for the boys. And you cut it from the main event, semi-main event. And the main event was getting... If the main event was drawing money where the promotion was doing really, really good and the guys in the main event were making two or three grand a night for, for their match, that means that the guys underneath the opening matches and stuff were probably making seven, eight hundred dollars, which is a livable, you know, livable. Because you're right. talking about even if you were making five hundred dollars a night, seven nights a week, that's good money. That's good money. Yeah, but sure. if the guys were dead, and if you had guys that were on top that couldn't draw a dime, then they were making a hundred, hundred, two hundred bucks. That means the guys underneath are probably making a hundred bucks a week. <laughs> that's not good. Wow. hundred dollars a night, you know. So. And were they committed to the so that so these guys at this point are these guys do they have other jobs or I mean are you committed to the business committed to the promotion for a hundred two hundred bucks a week? Yeah, you're not you're not you're not like these guys today. You're not a guy that wrestles once a month and punches the clock nine to five. Back in the day, you were committed to the profession. You worked the profession seven nights a week. Even if, even if you were just making $75 a night, it's still not that much with traveling and stuff. But if you travel in a group of guys, which we did back in the day, four to a car, three to a car, whatever you were comfortable with, you shared the gas and expenses because if you're in a territory that wasn't paying much, you survived that way with one another. You took care of one another. And you, you said, know, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, you said before Terry Funk used to, you know, I, I'm going to use the word commune, but he had, he had like a traveling group and he would put people up in tents and stuff in his, on his land, right? That was, that was part of the. That was, that was his dad. Terry was a kid. Okay. Terry was a kid. He would be in the, cause that was his dad. That when Dory Sr. had the, uh, started the Amarillo territory hmm. and they would all, yeah, that was that. Cause you got to remember back in the forties and fifties, would you got 25 cents to get into a wrestling match? Yeah. 25 cents, 25 cents, maybe a dollar. I don't know. But it was that. But that, that was guys that, you know, probably made 20 or $10, $20 that night. But, you know, back then, that could be a lot. So, but not enough to travel. So that was his dad. They, they drove around in little pup, little pup trailers that they had back in the day. And they'd go to the campgrounds and, you know, make food for everybody. Yeah, that was his dad. Interesting. Um, just tying a bow on the GWF. Um, one of the best stables, I think, in pro wrestling history is a stable called the Cartel. And I think Skandor Akbar was the manager. And you look at the talent that was part of that group, Mick Foley, uh, Scotty Anthony, who was Raven, uh, who became Raven later on. He wasn't Raven there. Rip Rogers and Muffin yeah. Singh, who people know as uh, Norman the Lunatic or Bastion Booger. But Think about that. These are Hall of Fame level, at least two of them, Hall of Fame level performers, and right at the beginning of their career. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, that was good. You know, um, these uh, you got to kind of me caught up with the bastard <laughs> booger. The bastard booger just threw me off. <laughs> that threw me off. <laughs> I don't remember him doing nothing. Mick Foley, yes. I mean, he he was a character. People remember Norman. They remember Muck and Singh. They remember. That's what I. I For better or for worse. I had a total brain fart. 
I'm sorry. I had a total brain fart when you said Baskin Blue. I was like, what? Mike Shaw. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about? You know, I, you know, that was one of those Vince McMahon uh, pipe dreams. I had good, I had good match with Raven. Yeah, Raven was a good kid. In fact, I almost beat the hell out of him. He got scared. He pissed me off one day. <laughs> but he was a good kid. Yeah, he was. Those guys were good. And Scandal was a good. Uh, Scandal was always a great manager. Scandal was always a great manager. You know, he was a great worker. He was a great manager, and he had a great crew. And he knew how to get heat. He knew how to get heat, but that is what he did. He didn't have to do much. It's the thing about that. Getting heat, if you know how to do it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take all that crap that people do. You know how to get heat? Like, Dom Rocco was great. I mean, he got so much heat doing nothing, little. And the greatest thing about the business is you get, you do less and get more. That's the misunderstanding these idiots got today. They think they got to do all this garbage to get all this the reaction with the people. They don't understand that less is more. The less you do and get more out of it, the better people are going to understand. And these guys don't understand that. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. And I think, Manny, don't you think that part of the problem is the instant reaction that's available in today's society? So, you know, everything's on Twitter, everything's on YouTube, everything's on Facebook. And everybody, these performers are out there doing stuff to get instant reaction. Nothing slow bakes. You know, it's not like you don't do 12 week angles anymore. You do four week angles leading to a pay-per-view or leading to a big event. It's, it's a lot different in booking. There's no house show loop, especially today with the pandemic, but just a way different way of looking at things. Right. 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 I remember the days where you were married to somebody for, Four or five months, six months is the longest. You had to run. You had to run. That's yep. what you call a run. And you went everywhere with that that angle, and it got over. Now it's like you said. It's not that they right away hurry it through it because they just don't come up with good angles. I guess I don't know anymore. Why? Um. So Booker Booker T, I'm I'm sorry to jump back to this, but I just just made me think of it. Booker T obviously went on to great great success, and uh, and what what was Stevie Ray missing when? So Booker Booker had everything. What was Stevie Ray missing that uh, that he came up just short? I you know Stevie Ray wasn't. I think the truth about Stevie Ray, he wasn't that involved in wrestling. He was there. He was there and he was great, but I don't think he was that involved in wrestling. I mean, he got out of it, started his own company, mm-hmm. doing great, and it doesn't bother him. It does his own podcast that talks about things, but outside of that, he wasn't. I, he was like, I think Stevie Ray was kind of like me, you know. Okay, I did great, you know. I'm this. I've had enough of it. I'm done, and I'll go on about having my own life, creating my own life, doing my own thing. And I think he's done a great job of that. Booker T's involved. He loves it. He wants to stay involved. He's there helping. He's an agent. He's doing a great job with being an agent. He's doing great things on his personal side and his personal level. And and that's good for him. But I think Stevie Ray is a lot like me. He just wasn't that involved. He was involved because his brother was involved. And Stevie was helping his brother and, and both got over. And when Stevie saw his brother was grown and 
He could do his own thing. Stevie went about his own life. Yeah. He just rode off into the sunset, started a good uh, company there in Houston, Texas, his own company, and uh, he's enjoying life. You still talk to those guys at all, Manny? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stevie Ray calls me every now and then. Oh, I do his podcast. I've done his podcast a couple times. You know, we talk about the fun times in Japan. And Booker T, when I see him, of course, we talk all the time, you know. We, always talk. <laughs> we talk, he's always telling me to be still. You better not do anything, old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, Manny, in the coming weeks, uh, you know, we, we covered Global today, which was, I mean, to me, Global is one of those promotions that, um, so much fanfare, so much excitement and has a place in history. It'll be remembered forever, but never really got there, you know, had that run on ESPN, but never really got to where it was supposed to be. I think, um, in the coming weeks, we've had a lot of people that want to hear about your run at Jim Crockett promotions, and we've been saving that. We haven't, we haven't really got to that yet, so we'll have to cover that. We'll have to cover your your time in Japan because that that's a significant part of your well, life and your career, and and it's a different style, right? A completely different culture right, right. over there. But my biggest my biggest start was the Florida territory. That's where I learned wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. I learned to really respect and love wrestling because of Eddie Graham. Of Eddie Graham, Eddie Graham was the greatest. He was one of the greatest promoters ever. Eddie Graham loved the business, protected the business, and he was really strict about what we did, how we carried ourselves in public and in the building, in, in, in and out of wrestling. I really, and the people, Dusty, and, and all the people, Terry and Dory Funk, and all my mentors. I mean, I was so grateful that in Florida, I was able to wrestle every single one of the guys that got me in the business. And they just carried me and showed me this business. I mean, I will never, ever forget him for that. Yeah, we'll have to do a, a Florida show as well, long form. I think, um, you know, when people think of the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, they, they gravitate towards Jim Crockett and the run you had in the middle 80s. But there's a lot yep. more to Manny. And that's one of the great reasons to listen to this show is you get uh, the biopic, you get the whole thing, and you even get what Manny thinks of uh, what's going on today. So we're having a lot of fun doing this. I hope that you out there are having a lot of fun listening. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, follow. It's completely free on your favorite podcast app on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network feed. So all of our shows are on that same feed, Manny. So you get Bill After, you get Ken Resnick, you get Manny Fernandez, you get uh, the maestro, you get everybody all in one feed. Star studded. You got a whole great group of people with the voice of choice. How can you lose? How can you lose? You yeah. cannot lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and we have a good time. Uh, I apologize. My apologies for us uh, missing a week uh, in the last few, just uh, personal stuff that was and uh, in the crazy week last week, the quality wasn't sound quality probably wasn't as great last week because I had to do the show in my car, but we're back to normal this week. <laughs> the next week, Manny will do Florida. And then uh, for people that have been asking in the, in the next uh, two or three weeks, we'll get to Japan and Jim Crockett and, um, and we'll keep going. Right. Kansas city, 
Kansas City territory, San Antonio territory. Yeah, I got I get all the territories. I get all the territories. I love the territory days. They were fun to me. We had to travel and meet all the different wrestlers that I became friends with and, and worked on top with. All the great guys, you know, carried a young green guy. They believed in me that I could have great matches and carry them too, you know, follow them. I mean, I met some great, great top talent back in the day that I had the honor and the privilege to work with. A lot of you are leaving comments and questions for Manny and, and we'll do a mailbag show coming up too. So make sure get, get your questions to uh, tweet them at VOC nation and you don't need a hashtag, just tweet them at VOC nation, or you can email me. Uh, it's Bruce at VOC nation.com. Bruce at VOCNation.com. Either way, we'll get your stuff and we'll do a mailbag episode and Manny can answer questions that you might have. How's that sound, Raging Bull? That sounds good to me. <laughs> I always like and appreciate the fans. I really do. Yeah. So that's that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. We appreciate everybody that keeps tuning in. And uh, this was great for me because Global was one of those things that was part of my childhood. I used to get home from school and turn on ESPN in the middle of the afternoon. So really cool to go through that. Uh, Manny, yeah. anything coming up in the in the next week for you? No, no, I'm still staying uh, isolated, staying quarantined, and just waiting uh, for Global Wrestling Federal. I mean, uh, Global. I got to stick in my mind. Gospel Wrestling to open up in November, December. So we're just we're just chilling. There we go. There we go. Me, me too. And uh, I'll stay out of any mass discussion this week. So <laughs> stay, stay out of trouble. All right. That's, that's it for this week. I appreciate all my time with the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. I'm Bruce. Ward. We'll be back next week. No BS with the bull worldwide in the VOC nation wrestling network. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation.